things get a little bit grim. But this is especially heinous. Did you tell the police that she was ordered, May? Nope. Witchy ghost stuff. Ah! Don't make me scared. A spooky girl amateur hour. I got on a kick to watch a, to catch predator today. Ooh, <laughs> classic. Okay. I had seen them here and there. Mm-hmm. I had never sat down and watched a full episode. Is it cringe? It's. It, I had secondhand embarrassment for all of the guys that show up God. and then have to talk to Chris Hansen because that dude don't give a fuck. No, no, he does not. He is doing the Lord's work, though. What happened to him? What is he doing? Is he I still catching predators? There, the one I watched on YouTube today was called Hansen versus Predator. No. <laughs> and I don't know when it was filmed or anything. Oh. I have been just letting YouTube like pick what I watch. <laughs> just bloop, here you go. Yeah. So Consume I watched, media. Yeah. I watched uh, a documentary about cults. That's what we're doing today. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then I just let, let it play and it played a Lou Pearlman documentary. Who was that? Okay. This is insane. And it is crimey, but it's not something that I'm interested in. It's like money laundering. Like Ooh, that's crime crack. I'm interested okay, in. Okay. So maybe you can cover Lou Pearlman okay. deeply. But he curated Backstreet Boys and NSYNC. He's the one that got the bands together and oh. made them famous. Oh, MTV behind the music. Yes. And then he had an airline company and okay. all of these things, but they were all fake. What? So the only things that weren't, weren't fake was the boy bands. And Where was he getting the money to launder? Uh, he in- convinced all of these people to invest in his companies. That didn't exist. That didn't exist. Ah, con man. Yes. And then once the boys started actually making money, he was just taking their money. And so after, I think it was the first record deal from NSYNC, uh, they all got together for a really fancy dinner and Lou was pumping them up like, you guys are getting so much money. I can't wait to show you how much money you're making. And the guys are all 20 they're, they're young. Babies. And Lance Bass is being interviewed for this documentary. And he is, I love him. He's so charismatic. And I wasn't an NSYNC or Backstreet Boys girl. I, I loved George Strait. Oh, my <laughs> God. Garth Brooks. No. <laughs> I, I just never really got into it. I know. I, I like their songs. I just didn't ever have their posters or anything yeah, like that. I didn't either. Um, but Lance Bass was actually so charismatic. And I was like, I get it. I understand why people were in love with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was talking about how he and all the boys were getting ready to go to this big dinner and they all get handed a check and all their parents are there too. And the boys are like freaking out, getting ready to open this check. And they're like, is it six figures? Is it a million dollars? It's Chuck E. Cheese tokens. They've been on tour. They have sold a shit ton of albums. They are the hottest boy band in the world. Yeah. And they open this check and it's for $10,000. No. What? $10,000. And all the guys who are being interviewed are like, we're not poo-pooing $10,000 because like that's still a lot of money. Yeah. But if you think about us working 12, 13, 14 hour days for For, a year straight. That's not even minimum wage. That doesn't even touch minimum wage. No. They're like, I could be a barista at Starbucks and make more than this. And so they start unraveling. 
And the whole time, all of this rivalry between NSYNC and Backstreet Boys was fabricated by Lou Pearlman. Oh, sure. Because he didn't want the two people that he's conning... To talk. Sure. Right. Enemy of my enemy. So they were, they didn't realize that they were being managed by the same person. Oh my God. Until it was pretty late in the game that they realized they were both being managed by Lou Pearlman. And he came, he would come to NSYNC and be like, you hear what those Backstreet Boys are doing, boo, 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 boo. And then he'd go and say the same thing to the Backstreet Boys. So these boys hated each other. Get a job. (laughs) Right. And these guys... (laughs) actually ended up doing a gig together and of course they start chatting oh god and they start realizing they've been had they've been had and so they all sue lou pearlman (gasps) did they win yes okay and that is where we get the song bye 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 and no strings attached say swear swear oh my god wait that gave me like goosebumps (laughs) i was like cooking dinner and i like stopped and i was like shut uh, I so had no idea. I can already guarantee you, no strings attached or bye 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 is gonna be on my 2021 wrapped for Spotify because I've had it on repeat. Because <laughs> I love the petty. I love it. That's amazing. Yeah. Wow. I just a completely heinous ride from start to begin, start to finish. I love that. There's um a show on Netflix that I'm thinking about watching. What is it? It's. Evil genius. E- oh, I've seen that. Yeah. The, the true story of America's most heinous bank heists. Huh. I love a good, I love a good heist. You do. I actually am going to cover a heist this year. So I'm going to run it past you to make sure it's not on your list for 2021 okay. before I cover it. I also am going to cover another a heist. heist. Oh, it's been a long time. It's mm-hmm. been since number one, since our second, first true crime First episode. true crime. Yeah. Yeah. It's time for another. Yeah, I agree. I've got I've got my list for 2021 pretty much packed and for all categories? Almost, yeah. Okay. Um cuz I'm insane. I listen, <laughs> I still have a few open slots. Like I'm booked out through April, but I I still have some like open stuff. So if anybody has something they would really love to have covered, just let us know. Let it, e- email us. Mine's in pencil. <laughs> truly it is in pencil because i knew that i my insane brain would not let me scratch something out no in my planner of course not so i definitely knew Wrote that i was gonna have to write it in pencil mm. so it's fine <laughs> ian and i accidentally bought the same planner oh yeah so it's causing like a lot of chaos like you just leave it around and suddenly like i just see one lying and i'm like oh yeah like i should probably see like what i have going on and it's like Rip out drywall and install new yada yada. And I'm like, oh, I don't know how to do that. And he probably looks at yours and it's like two cults, a disaster, it's and like, a true crime. It's like a doodle, a donut, <laughs> and like me practicing my new signature. Ooh. Uh-huh. Oh my God. So today's a cults episode. Today is a cult. Ep- today is the first episode that we're recording in 2021. Yeah, we haven't seen each other in two weeks, two and a half, two and a half weeks. Which is difficult and hard. Devastating, honestly. Uh, so if we meander a lot during this episode, it's because we literally just saw each other for the first time in two and a half weeks. And we've already been catching up for like an hour and some change. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. Hour and some change. Did That's you make fine. any resolutions? Um, I did. So I made, 
uh, a resolution to read more books in 2021. Okay. Did you like assign a number to that or just? Just more books than I read in 2020. Okay. Uh, which is not many. I can't imagine that there was a lot going on. It was, there it was, was a very busy year. Yes. So I didn't want to give myself a number because I have more resolutions, honestly, for the podcast and just wanting to continue to do this. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to like give myself too many other things. Sure. Um, I'm really over like weight loss. I'm going to spend this many hours at the gym. So yeah. I just want to be healthier. Yeah. Like I want to treat my body kinder mm-hmm. and not want to die when I walk upstairs. <laughs> so <laughs> I would like to survive if I'm being chased by a serial killer, which I don't think I would do right now. I so... <laughs> now listen, if a serial killer is chasing me, uh-huh. I'm, I'm done. However, Indiana is a stand your ground state. Yeah. And I have 30 years of suppressed rage. That's a good point. Living inside of me. And I am begging for a serial killer to give me the chance. Give give me the opportunity. To wail on you. To fuck you up. I will. I'm waiting for somebody to be hiding in the backseat of my car. I am vigilant. I check that shit Uh every single time I get into my car. I, when I think of myself, I think that I am more of a flight person. But I actually know that when confronted I am a fighter because my service technician once decided that it would be a really good idea to scare the shit out of me oh no and I straight up punched him so hard oh you domed him he will seriously still talk about it and this happened like two years ago and I'm like listen homie you what scared you- the shit out of me but he's very tall so I just <laughs> like punch him square in the chest straight in the chest <laughs> Knock the wind out of him, at least. I think he's, he was like, dude, <laughs> and he's a big guy. <laughs> and I was like, you seriously scared the shit out of me. Um, so, I love that. So I do know that I will fight if I have to. Mm-hmm. But then I also remember a time when I was in high school and one of my best guy friends followed me to the Walmart after I got off work and I didn't see him following me. And he thought it would be really funny to crawl beside my car and then pop up on one of the on my window and i just started crying there you was some no, you lose some there was no screaming there was, it was just it, immediate overflow immediately crying <laughs> so i love that i feel like if somebody comes at me with like physical conflict i'd be able to square up but like emotional conflict <laughs> i just listen i avoid conflict with every ounce of your being of my being i have like a medically diagnosable need for everybody to like me all the time i have that in degrees if it's an emotional conflict that i know i have to have i have no problem having that conversation if it's if my feelings are hurt i will cry like immediately and through the entire conversation Mm -hmm. But which is fine. I don't I don't think I have the like conflict avoidance I do. issue. I will avoid conflict at all costs. I will put my needs on the back burner. Listen, I know it's a terrible character trait. I'm looking forward to addressing it in therapy. Yeah. Which is why we're going to therapy <laughs> which soon. Which is why we're going to therapy in approximately 20 days. I'm so excited. Thanks. So yeah, I don't do conflict. Which should like, if I'm ever picking a fight with you. You should really deeply reevaluate your behavior. Because <laughs> Jenny has stopped caring about what you think of her. And that is like the tell all. That is a black flag. That's a scary place <laughs> for people to be. If you've gotten that far down the rabbit hole, 
Do better. Do better. <laughs> Fix yourself. Fix yourself. Just shape up a little. Yeah. I beg. Be better. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. So you went first. No, I went first in conspiracy. Yeah. So it's your turn. Oh, it's me. Ooh, it's me turn. It's you turn. <clears throat> Ooh, and look at you with your printed off. I print it. Listen, I don't have a uh, outline like you do. Um, there's a lot of different fonts. Oh, good. There's a lot of different sizes in here. That's okay. But I am excited uh-huh. to talk about this. Um, c- cult. Okay. We, we will, the definition of cult will be up for debate. I like that this is going to be the theme of the episode because my cult is also cult adjacent. Is it? Yeah. Okay. I love that. We almost did the same. We did. It was written in my planner and pencil. <laughs> this is why. And then I checked our email and Jenny, the first time. Jenny I've never done this. emailed her story. To the, to the podcast email. Yeah. I looked at it and I just saw the title of it. I didn't even, I like closed it immediately because I don't want to be spoiled. But I was just like, we just one. dodged a bullet. <laughs> it was divine intervention. It will happen. I felt the need to send it to the email. It, I, the wildest things. Because I was like, I had started my notes. Not, I didn't get far at all. Mm-hmm. But I was like, did I send the, the notes to me? To me? And then I, it was like, I opened it and there was like a lot of words there. And I was like, this. <laughs> Those aren't my words. I didn't like sleep research. Can you imagine? My mind did a lot of random like thoughts before I thought of the most logical thing, which what would the- be you did it. <laughs> I love it. We're keeping ourselves in check. Yeah. Oh, God. All right. Okay. Go ahead. So for lack of a better word, I'm going to use cult for a while. Okay. So founded in 1955. This cult is labeled as a millenarian, plural, UFO religion, new age, syncretic cult slash religious group. That's a lot of adjectives. These are all categorical items that they, people sort cults into. into. Okay. Mm-hmm. This is like straight on their Wikipedia page it like identifies it as this okay they self-identify as a spiritual practice of and not course a cult. they do mm-hmm. well you're not gonna come out and be like i'm a cult nope. unless you're jared leto i guess <laughs> nee, nee, i'm a cult <laughs> spoiler alert right so i'm i'm gonna let i'm gonna let everyone draw their own line in the sand on this a little bit later sure in case you're wondering um millenarian is the belief by a religious social or political group or movement in a prophesized fundamental transformation of society, which is a thing that we see a lot. Like, the end is coming. The blood, the lizard people are rising up. This Apocalyptic. Thing, yes. Um, plural, indicating that there are many masters, gods, or deities. UFO religion, we are all well aware of what that is. And this group has a particular focus in Venus and Saturn. Okay. Um syncretism is the practice of combining different beliefs and like blending different trains of thought into like new ideas okay so picking and choosing your doctrine i love that here um so basically this is a multiple alien worshiping milkshake for lack of a better (laughs) milkshake lack of a better term great um, the Aetherius Society is a new religious movement founded by the late George King, born in 1919, and he passed away in 1997. In the mid-50s, it was founded, and they have a motto. Oh, do they now? 
Service is the jewel in the rock of attainment. Uh, okay, service is the jewel in the rock of attainment. Mm-hmm. I don't know what any of that means. I, it's word salad. I, okay, it's like alphabet soup. Yeah, it really, it like, it makes you feel something when you say it. It's like Theo had those uh, magnet letters. Yes. And he was like, words. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it was like. Great. <clears throat> um, it currently operates in the USA, Canada, UK, Australia, New Zealand, and three African nations. Okay. In 1993, it claimed around 650 total members. And the UK UFO News suggested it had 10,000 people on its mailing list as of the year 2000. Okay. Okay. So yeah. far, so good. So, so far, far so we're still in the facts. Yeah, we're still in the facts here. And I'm about to insert, like, a baby bright and shiny. Um, I'm, I'm not going to throw out, like, my own opinion on this group just yet. But I love that these, like, little new age UFO cults don't generally have the, like, super nefarious awful things that we normally discuss on this like please revisit episode 12 of false bottom where i cover cute little railianism i'm so and, sorry and taylor makes me cry <laughs> with the anthill kids even while i was doing my 2021 like list uh-huh i was like ooh. I probably should split those two up. Like, those are pretty bad. And it just makes me laugh so hard that you, the Slytherin, is, like, trying to not, Sometimes not just... do the deep, dark ones. And I'm, like, in my floral dress. Like, like, birds chirping in the background. And then cut off her head. And then they killed the babies. <laughs> so sorry. Um... So the Aetherius Society follows that rule. There is very little criticism of their group, aside from their beliefs. Um, after we dig in, they're, you'll, they're a little, I don't want to say wackadoo. A little. But I will say a little bit. That's okay. A touch wackadoo. But they haven't done anything terrible. There's no mass suicides, no bombs, no child marriage. It's not a sex cult. It's not indentured slavery. It's pretty just like a group of people who all believe in weird shit in weird shit okay does that make it a cult yeah i don't know they're not harmful they do not cause harm to themselves or others Hmm. they just live in their own little they're just like a little bunch of doodly bops running around interesting see i saw like ufo call and that's what made me write it down in my book and Mm -hmm. that's literally as far as i got in my research so (laughs) it's it's a fun one it's pretty sort of we're starting the year off light okay okay um so george king started this like little band of vagabonds Um, because he had something truly astonishing happen to him in 1958. Did he get abducted by aliens? Well, <laughs> better. Oh, God! <laughs> um, George King was born in Wellington, Shropshire, to George... Thank you. To George and Mary King. Um, his mother was said to be psychic, and his family was imbued with occult inclinations, quote-unquote. Wait, in 1919? He was born in 1919, right? He was born, yes, in, born in Wellington, Shropshire, Georgia Mary King. You said 1919, like, way early. Or was that when he founded the cult? The cult was founded in, like, the mid-1950s. Okay. 
Um, so yes, around 1919. Interesting. So I just thought it was interesting that they had like occult stuff mm-hmm. in in 1919. Well, well that would think, been think of like Houdini, right? like seances, the yeah. Winchester Mystery House. True. That kind of it was like a very underground movement prior to the Great Depression. I see. The Roaring Twenties and like Satan is afoot. <laughs> How could I forget? He's coming on cigarettes and rock and roll. See. Okay. <laughs> So in the 1930s, King integrated himself into a number of unspecified occult groups. Um, for someone who had somewhat unusual proclivities, he maintained a pretty me- mediocre life as a cab driver. He was just like a run-of-the-mill, kind of just like, meh. But on his weekends, he was like going to all of these like seances and like meetings and like trying to get in touch with like a deeper uh, power. And he found a lot of purpose in meditation. Okay. So he was so big on meditation that he studied yoga for 10 years. Oh, wow. And would spend up to 12 hours a day meditating. Uh, I'm so sorry. I would call that sleeping. That's... Because I know I'm very, I'm very calm and meditative. I'm sleeping. <laughs> so you take a nap, buddy. Yeah. Um, so he spent all these years meditating, 12 hours a day. Jesus. Until he became so in tune with terrestrial knowledge that he became a knower. Mm-hmm. It is a self-appointed term. How did he become one? I'll tell you. As King recounts it. He was sitting alone in his London flat one day, fooling around with altered consciousness meditation, when suddenly out of the blue, a voice identifying itself as Master Aetherius issued him a commandment. Prepare yourself. You are to become the voice of interplanetary parliament. He states that although he was initially shocked by the statement, seeing as it came from thin air, he didn't question his sanity. And he knew he had heard it due to his mastery of all terrestrial phenomena. Did you, bud? Did you? Is that mastery of it? Okay. Listen, I, I don't know much about meditation because I get very bored easily and then I fall asleep. I can't turn my brain off. I cannot. I don't think that I can. I, I don't know. But if you were able to turn your brain off, one of the two things could happen. And I realize there's probably more than two, but like in my mind, it's two. <laughs> so you're either going to make yourself insane mm-hmm. because your brain has to fill the void that you've created and it'll just fill it with random shit. Yeah. Or aliens are going to look and see like an, a vacant vessel, a vacant body. And they're like, that one, <laughs> Shoop, get him, <laughs> wrap him up, boys, take him to go. He's free. <laughs> He's making nothing. Unarmed. He's drooling into his own lap, just like, shoop, zoop him up. An unarmed husk. Freaking zooted. Get on out of here. We're going to Saturn. Um, That's what I think has happened. That very well could be. And uh, several days later, an unnamed yoga master, he would not reveal who, um, King New was alive and well living in India, appeared by walking through the locked door of his apartment and taught King exercises in order to bring him closer in touch with the Cosmic Masters, who would soon use King as the, quote, primary terrestrial mental channel. Interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's enough word salad about the origin. Yeah. 
Here's, Tell me about the things. Here's new fresh word salad Ooh, yeah. about what the cult does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. The society asserts itself as a liberal religion, stating, nor does God favor people of one religion over another, and certainly not people of one country or race over another. Uh, a ex-member of, no, I don't want to say ex-member of the cult, like he was excommunicated or anything, um, but Stefan Isaacson noted that it evolved into a complex religious belief system that included an extraterrestrial hierarchy of various spiritual masters and such concepts as universal karma and religious healing. The religion's goal is to prevent worldly destruction by improving cooperation between humanity and various alien masters, by using spiritual energy to improve the spiritual caliber of the world. The society has claimed that various disasters may be prevented or relieved by prayer, often aided by, quote, spiritual energy batteries. I will... I beg to differ. <laughs> they, they're meant to store healing psychic energy, these spiritual energy batteries. The society also believes that it is to prepare the way for the next master, who is a messiah... Mess- a messiah mm-hmm. figure um, who will descend upon earth in a flying saucer. Oh, possessing magic more powerful than all of the world's armies. Wow. Mm-hmm. The society is named after Aetherius, a being clean- king uh, channeled and continuously channels through all of his life and through the like formation of. He just got a straight up direct line. Hey, I to mean, he is aliens. just wired. Right in. They're on WhatsApp. They're, they snap each other. He's getting messages left, right, and center. Never doesn't have signal. No, no. Always. It's aliens. They got satellites all over. Yeah. Uh, in Aetherius Society teachings, various religious figures come from different planets. And throughout history, cosmic masters such as Buddha, Jesus, and Lao Tzu have come to Earth to teach mankind the right way of living. They're regarded by the society as avatars. Krishna, for example, is from Saturn, which is the home of a cosmic hierarchy or interplanetary council, while Jesus and Buddha are from Venus. The society therefore claims that these religions sprang from the same source and their principles were identical. These beings are, however, spiritual beings on another dimension or plane, as the idea of corporal intelligent life on the other planets was known to be unlikely in the 1950s. Okay. So they didn't really have little green men. Right. And the greys and yeah. who. Because that all came in like the 70s. You, yeah. When uh, your your people. Betty and Barney Hill. The, the other episode that made me mm-hmm. cry. Yeah. yeah that one. <laughs> yeah. That one. <laughs> um, they kind of like perpetrated that yeah. idea. So in, in their mind, they're just like, it's these like conscious energy vibrations that like are from the solar system. Like some granola hippie shit. Some crunchity. Crickety hippie shit. <laughs> um, the society's concept is that these beings exist on a spiritual level by maintaining a higher vibratory rate, which can be lowered, and then explains the reported blinking in and out of UFOs. They just, like, kind of glitch in and out as they so please. Sure. Uh, the society also refers to the Viminas found in Vedic and Hindu texts and to the Star of Bethlehem as UFOs. Oh. Uh-huh. And examples of peaceful aliens that have been visiting to teach humanity through our entire history. 
I've not. I don't. I don't necessarily think that that's bananas. I. It's not. It's not all the way bananas for sure. There's some things that I can get down with here. Yeah. There, listen. Just pick. Pick it apart. Yeah. Take what you want. Leave the rest. Uh, King taught a belief in reincarnation based upon the law of karma, according to which we progress life by life towards the goal of perfection. So, like, you you go through, you live all the lives until, like, you're You're perfect. Yeah. Everyone is destined to eventually become a master and continue evolving from there. And the society claims that evolution also includes the planet Earth, which is regarded as a living entity at a much higher state of evolution and importance than its inhabitants. (laughs) No, I agree. Yeah. (laughs) They allege that because of the backward evolution of humans, the Earth has been under frequent attacks from evil forces from other parts of the universe. And that the cosmic masters of other planets are fighting off a number of alien, e- 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 aliens, <laughs> of aliens, aliens, evil alien invaders. And if there is a sign, sorry. I'm dumb. <laughs> yeah, but I like it. Um, and the theory of society literature, the cosmic battles with evil forces bear some resemblance to the fundamentalist Christian concept of spiritual warfare. Hmm. Shorn of its imminent apocalyptic content, as in other New Age religions, alternative medicine, spiritual healing, yoga, and dowsing are accepted and practiced by the Ethereum society. It has also launched initiatives against pollution and nuclear power and generally identifies with the ideals of, like, the green movement. However, the society believes that environmental and societal problems are only symptoms of a much larger spiritual problem that, once solved, would cure all of the other problems. This is the spiritual energy crisis. King designed many items of equipment intended to contain and redirect spiritual energy for such purposes. Probably the best known of these is the Spiritual energy battery that we talked about earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Its precise design and composition are not in the public domain. Uh-huh. And the knowledge is only held by those highest in the society. Uh-huh. Um. <laughs> oh, no. Its purpose is to hold a charge of spiritual energy for an indefinite period when connected to a spiritual energy radiator. Again, another piece of equipment designed by King. It can then be discharged. Think solar power. Uh-huh. But good vibes. Oh, good juju? Good juju. In a radiator. In, in, a, in a battery. Okay. Good vibe batteries. There, I know a few people I'd like to hook that up to. <laughs> okay. Spiritual workers pray and chant mantras and focus the ener- energy into the battery where it is stored. The society's belief is that in times of crisis, energy can be released into a concentrated form by man- and manipulated by cooperating masters to the area in need. King named this activity Operation Prayer Power. I love it. Isn't it cute? The Ethereum Society claims that under the guidance of the cosmic masters and with the aid of spiritual energy batteries, they have prevented wars and relieved the efforts of natural disasters. King taught that these spiritual exercises help to prevent worldly destruction. To help with this, the Ethereum Society regularly engages in spiritual pushes in which they pray and meditate to draw prana to Earth from an orbiting spaceship known as Satellite Number 3. Oh! <laughs> Forget 1 and 2. Yeah. Satellite Number 3. Um, which increases the amount of spiritual energy available. It's like cranking up the volume on the vibes. <laughs> okay. Pump up the jam. Pump it up. Oh, God. Um, 
<clears throat> they claim that the satellite is shielded from telescopes and radar. And in, quote, Operation Starlight, which happened between the years 1958 and 1961, King and various members climbed 18 mountains throughout the world. Jesus. So that the mountains could be spiritually charged by the cosmic masters using King as the link. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> Just like some crotchety old man standing on the side of a mountain and being like, I'm charging it. And he like is a sack of dust on top of this mountain. Everybody be quiet. Shush. I'm trying to catch a vibe. <laughs> so one of his followers like picking their nose like downwind. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. All right. So he's charging mountains. Kombucha. Like this this is all I can think of. Like uh-huh. Organic granola. <laughs> it's not GMO. Oh my god, I can't. <laughs> We're raw vegans, actually. Um, <laughs> members often make pilgrimages to these mountains where they have painted the movement symbol up there, believing that they receive more power than they can send out to the world through prayer. They believe that service to mankind is the most essential yoga or religion. Okay. Which I don't disagree with. Yeah, no, that's fine. The the methods, maybe. Uh, I, I I mean, we're I not hurting a, anybody. No, I have a qualm or two. Yeah. But do you? Okay. So what do they believe? Yes. And please like, tell me. What do they actually physically go out and do uh-huh. at their meetings? At their meetings. At their meetings. Do they take minutes? Uh, well, you know, their website is happy to explain it all in their what they do section. Oh, which, I love it. Which I will now present to you. Yes. The Ethereum Society is very active in giving spiritual service in a number of different ways. Here are some of the things we do. Numero uno, cosmic missions. The five cosmic missions performed by the Ethereum Society are the most important aspect of our work. Each of these involves direct cooperation with advanced extraterrestrial intelligences known as cosmic masters, although no physical contact with these beings is required for the missions to be performed successfully. Of course not! Nay, nay! Nobody's taking selfies with aliens and being like, look what I got, bro! They're on a different vibrational plane. They have no need for iPhones. I guess. Nobody's trying to get it on TikTok for the clout. (laughs) Oh my god, I can't. I'm sweating. <laughs> okay, so in their words, Operation Prayer Power, uh, in the cosmic mission known as Operation Prayer Power, members and sympathizers meet on a regular basis and chant mantra and visualize spiritual energy being directed towards an individual who is praying in a very dynamic fashion. Whatever the hell that means. The person praying is in turn directing this energy into a spiritual energy battery, a special piece of apparatus which can store spiritual energy for release in times of need to bring about healing, peace, and upliftment. Anyone sympathetic to the society's beliefs is welcome to an observant Operation Prayer Power Charging session, but to take part, a small amount of training is required. Pilgrimages. The society organizes regular pilgrimages to holy mountains. Pilgrims come together to send out spiritual energy to the world as a whole. Their prayers being highly potentized because of the energy contained within the holy mountain. Oh, God. (laughs) This is my favorite. Okay. The 12 blessing services and power circles. Oh, God. 
12 blessing services usually last an hour and involve mystic visualization. Brittany's trying to join them. Oh, I yeah, already she know. is. She would eat this up. <laughs> She'd be like, goodbye. She, I'm a cosmic master. Goodbye. Forever. I'm moving to Portland. <laughs> Brit, no. I'd go with her. I'd follow I her. I know you would. <laughs> I'd be like, I love Portland. <laughs> I'd be like, call me when you need out of this cult. I know. God damn. <laughs> Taylor would infiltrate from the inside and rise to, like, the leadership <laughs> rank and then dismantle Just it. Just to dismantle it. Yeah. Sounds right. <sighs> um, okay, so it involves mystic visualization, dynamic prayer, and the chanting of mantra, as well as the practice of the 12 blessings itself. We also send absent healing through mantra and visualization to people who have requested it. If you would like to request absent healing yourself, please contact your local center. <laughs> Power circles are very similar, but do not always include absent healing. And as the name would suggest, involve a seating arrangement either in a circle or a semicircle. <laughs> Duh. Perfect. They offer divine services. Do they? These usually involve mystic visualization, dynamic prayer, and the chanting of mantra. A recording of one of the 12 blessings is normally played as well as an address by Dr. King or by a minister, priest, or bishop. They usually last one hour. New visitors sympathetic to the society's belief are always very welcome. They offer lectures and workshops. What? Uh-huh. Where? So, oh, I'll get there. Okay, all right, I'll all get right. There. I'm hanging on. Certain experienced members of the society give lectures and workshops on a wide variety of subjects. Are they coming to IPFW? I hope so. If they are, we're going. I would go to that omnibus lecture in a freaking heartbeat. <laughs> it includes spiritual healing, extraterrestrial life, UFOs, Karma reincarnation, spiritual power, prayer, yoga philosophy, yoga breathing, enlightenment, psychic development, intuition, the mother earth, holy mountains, ascended masters, meditation, numerology, pendulum dowsing, which is one of my favorite kinds of divinations, positive thinking, and kinesiology. Oh, these are often a good starting point to familiar yourself with the society's beliefs. Cool, cool, cool. Good starting spot. Uh, they also have commemoration services if, if you want to celebrate some of the most significant cosmic events in recent history, such as the primary initiation of the Mother Earth on July 8th, 1964. I'm sorry, what? Mm-hmm. The, the, prim- what? the, the com- primary initiation of the Mother Earth is when the Mother Earth was initiated primarily on July 8th, 1964. That's very, it's very specific. It's very recent. Okay. Uh, such commemorations give reverence and power to these important happenings. Uh, they also have spiritual healing. As well as absent healing, the society offers contact healing. This is given free of charge, though donations are always welcome. Oh my god. Each session has to be booked by appointment at one of our centers and lasts around half an hour. It is based on an understanding of the flow of spiritual energy through the major chakras in the aura. So it's Reiki. Yeah. Basically. This is not faith healing. And oh. belief by the patient in the technique is not required for it to have a positive impact on them, though this may help. While there are countless instances of excellent results in this method of healing, no guarantees can be given. <laughs> and professional medical care should always be sought where necessary in addition to receiving this complimentary treatment. Listen, I'm here for the disclaimers. I don't, I don't hate it. Like, they're not going to be the kind of cult that's like, no, you have to eat dirt for seven days and then bury yourself up to the neck in mud. Right. Like, no, it's not like, cancer, it's the devil. No, we will give you Band-Aid juju. Uh-huh. And then also go to your primary care physician. Yeah, we're just here to, like, assist. Yeah, just help. We're just, we're just here to help. Ancillary. It's, 
it's climb mountains. Yeah, catch a vibe. It's cool. <laughs> to inquire about any of the above, please contact your local center. If you live near where Taylor and I live, your local center is located at 3119 North Campbell Road, Royal Oak, Michigan, 48073. I've been to Royal Oak. Oh, you have? Yeah. Oh, well, you can reach them at Michigan at Ethereus.org or 248-588-0290. They also offer six branches in California, one in Florida, New Jersey, another branch in Northern Michigan, and Virginia. In light of the global pandemic, virtual 12 blessing services are offered Saturdays at 5 p.m. Pacific time and Sundays 5.30 p.m. British time. And that is the story of the Ethereus Society. I'm not mad about it. I'm not mad about it either. That's cute. What are we thinking? Is it a cult? Is it a religious? Is it new age? I think it's new age. I really do. I kind of think it's new age. Like you can get out whenever you want. Sounds like. Yeah. They're not holding uh, holding you there against their will. You don't have to be a member. You don't have to buy into it to attend. And like bring three of your friends. No. Yeah. You don't have to recruit anybody. They're not about like spreading their mission. Huh. They're just here to like charge up their... Spiritual vibes. Good vibe batteries. So, fun story. Okay. One of the gals that I work with has a lost document. And she said it is stuck in Vermont. It's been stuck in Vermont for three weeks. A document? Yes. Her passport. Oh, yikes. Okay. And she needs it by this coming Thursday. Oh. And so she sent... Frig. I know. She sent a text message to our work group, the group chat, and she was just like, guys, if you can spare a prayer, a good vibe, a good juju, like, I just want to put it out there that I need my passport. Yeah. And so, like, they all know that I'm a little witchy and I get made fun of for it occasionally, but that's fine. And... <laughs> Gonna make fun to, like, carve your name in a candle, sweet cheeks. Right. It, but, like, it's fun because we all have this... We all have different views on religion spirituality so some were like all right sending you a good prayer and i'm like all the good juju coming your way i'm sending like like travel to your passport yeah um like movement and she got uh an update today and it'll be delivered in one to two business days (gasps) and moved from vermont this morning after not moving for three weeks oh my god i know and i was like guys we (laughs) we did it we did it we sent enough like you wholesome good energy to this passport. Listen, they might be onto something. Well, they might be. But okay, so this and is if really... we could like attach a battery to that, like, oh yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. I don't think. Listen, as practicing much, I don't think that it's all insane. No, and I think a lot of it really is like if you read about um like the three six nine manifestation mm-hmm. method and something like that about how. Literally, you already believing in something scientifically makes it more likely to be so. Right. It's that's why you do your like manifestation board and affirmation. Affirmation, dude. We should do a board. We should do a <gasps> projection board. Okay. I have a whiteboard right there. Shut up. I do. Perfect. I also have a crooked peacock. I see that. Yes. <laughs> There's been a lot of things happening today. It's fine. It's. <laughs> It's going to stay there. I lost a hammer halfway through the project. It's fine. I'm sure we'll find it. It's around. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Good job. Thanks. It was... <laughs> I was listen, I did it on my lunch break, but I was like in my office. I'm happy for you. And I was just like going through and like typing and I was like... <laughs> I'm, I'm really glad you did something that was going to bring you a little joy. I, I couldn't <laughs> handle any more dark things. I've been like a little... Mm, mm, a little... Mm. 
So I'm really sorry about the story I'm about to tell you. Oh, fuck. It's real. <laughs> it's not as bad as they have been. <laughs> like on a scale from like one to Jenny crying, I think we're at about like a six. Okay. It's per- it's like not great. Okay. But there is like humor moments in it. Okay, good. <laughs> so bring me the comedic relief. And like I said, um, it's cultish adjacent. So it waffles very much between true crime and cult. I love when things waffle. So I, I just put it as a cult because the media called it a cult. And I think that that is where this cult idea came from was really from the media. Do you think the media plays it a little fast and loose with the word cult? Yes. I do too. A hundred percent. And as somebody who studied journalism, I get so sad when journalists do a terrible job. Do a shitty job. Mm -hmm. Like do, do the work better. I read, I don't know. I was like scrolling through like the news tab of Facebook or whatever. Uh Uh-huh. Which is like trying to stay up to date and, you know, beat my depression into the ground with like really depressing things. Other things. <laughs> things that are more depressed than you. Yes. Thank you. That's the logic. Commiserating with articles. That's why I used to watch Jerry Springer. Like I needed to watch somebody else's life be more out of control than mine. Yes. Oh, that's a really <laughs> fantastic idea. Like I, my dad was the first one that was like, that actually makes a lot of sense for you. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like. I can see that being like a really effective therapy for me, actually. Do, do it. Anyway, I saw Sorry. this article that it was so, one of those like mainstream, like middle-aged white men that people go crazy about. Like, I don't know if it was like Bradley Cooper okay. or like. It was a Brad or a, a Chris. Or a Chris or a something. One of those. And it was a whole article because he dropped his Starbucks or his Dunkin' Donuts. Oh, Jesus. And they made a whole scrollable article that was like the batman star stumbled with his latte blah 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 and i'm like is this what you got your master's in like communications for to write an article about (sighs) i feel like that would suck literally every ounce of life out of my soul there was a really good chance that i wanted to work for buzzfeed for a really long time back in the day buzzfeed (laughs) yeah yeah and I knew that that would eventually be what my life was, was talking about, like, what is Kim Kardashian wearing? Yeah. And I literally do not give a shit. No. About any of that. I can't. I watched the Amanda Knox documentary again. <gasps> Ooh. And there's a, I forgot how much I hate the journalist in that story. Mm-hmm. Because he does not think that he did anything wrong. But he was just putting out story after story after story after story about Amanda Knox. Mm. And he even says, what am I going to do? Go double check to make sure that this is true and let yes. my com- competitor run with it and I would lose the scoop? Yes, no. that is exactly what you do. That's good journalism. You have to check your sources. This is why the only the only source that I will genuinely believe and not like do my own fact checking is the BBC. Ew. It's so I hard. I hope he got demoted to, like, paparazzi. I hope so, for fuck's sake. Yeah, that's all they are when, like, these, like, true crime stories get really sensationalized. Yeah. The journalists become paparazzi. Yeah, it was really sad to watch the documentary again because at the beginning when they're pulling... Um, she's the one whose daughter went missing when she was, like, on a trip down to Florida. No, that, I think, was Casey Anthony. Yes, that is Casey Anthony. Um, Amanda Knox was the American exchange student living in Italy. Italy. And her roommate gets murdered. Yes. And they think she did it. Yeah. But the roommate is getting pulled out of the house in a body bag. 
and the press are there and they're all just taking photos and all you see is like light bulbs flashing Ugh. and the police being like enough enough have dignity have dignity enough and they just don't stop listen if the italians can say have dignity <laughs> shape up <sighs> okay so let's talk about something like a little bit off the beam <laughs> this okay. this whole story is just uh, the every single step of the way i was like i'm sorry what Okay. What? Okay, so I'm going to tell you about the vampire cult from the late 90s. Are they based out of Chicago? Nope. Okay. A no, different I know vamp- you covered them. Okay. Yeah, I know. Okay. This is a different vampire cult? Uh-huh. Oh, we got multiple. Yeah, and there's another one, too, I found. What? Um, He's definitely more true crime, but the media have like been like, it's a cult. It's a cult. Because like, anytime somebody does like something depraved in the name of Satan, it's a cult. Right. Okay, so a group of teens come together with questionable morals, oh, a love of the macabre, macabre, is that right? Macabre. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Macabre a, salad. <laughs> and a hatred of anyone who doesn't understand them. Things can get a little bit hairy. Oh. Can they get a little bit grim? Yes, they sure can. So that is what happened to Rod Farrell and his teenage followers in the year 1996. Rod Feral the vampire. I hate him. He has a goatee, doesn't he? No. Are you sure? Just really long hair. Ugh. Does he have a like a sideburn thing happening? Probably. Like a Bill Compton. <laughs> He's not quite that dignified. Okay. Think Eminem with long stringy hair. Ew. Eminem and Snape had a baby. Ew. God, slimy. <laughs> That's Rod. Just so everybody can have that visual. That such a graphic description. <laughs> That's what he looks like. Okay. All right. Rod was 16 years old in November of 1996, and he lived in Murray, Kentucky uh, with his mother. And he, of course, he had an unstable upbringing. Okay. I mean, we're, well, it's Murray, we're going to end up want? in vampire cult territory. So the upbringing. <laughs> no spoilers. Not stable. Okay. His mother, Sandra Farrell, was 16 when she brought her son into the world, and she married his father, but they were only married for three weeks before they split, and I think they split before Rod was born. Still longer than Kim Kardashian. Yes. And that football dude. <laughs> football dude. Uh, there are rumors that Sandra was molesting Rod. Oh, no. Yeah. Rod stated that as he got older, he and his mother developed a complex relationship. It was a love-hate dynamic. Uh, some reports state that he confided that his grandfather molested him, but many people believe that his mother was a part of the abuse. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, during his childhood, Sandra would put on vampire movies for Rod, and they would watch them together. And it would have been these early introductions to vampires that sparked something in Rod. They sparked something in everybody who's a teen. Exactly. And 99.9% of teens grow out of it. This is not what happened. On all levels except physical, I am a wolf. That's all I can think of. Yes. Uh, Farrell played a role-playing game called Vampire the Masquerade. I can't. At a very young age. I bet he called it Masquerade. Oh, probably. Uh... Because it was, it's role-playing, he was playing with other people. And uh, all of these people, like, playing this role-playing game were like, I am a vampire. And so this just, I mean, his poor little 
sponge brain soaked it all up i'm not i'm not trying to like it makes me cringe to like hear about it but it's because i don't know a single freaking soul that didn't have like the doom and gloom vampire formative years oh absolutely that's what i think what made me so invested in this story because i know full well what I was like at 15. <laughs> Unfortunately. I could have wrapped up in this. Other people had to put up with my bullshit <laughs> for many years. Yes. The other day, my youngest sister, she's very tan. And I am not. And she Kara? Claire. Oh, God. <laughs> no, Kara's also not tan. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to call Kara out like that, but like... <laughs> <laughs> yes, Sorry. no. Okay. Um, and Claire... <laughs> sweet baby angel i don't tell her like i used to tan when i was a kid like probably until i was like 12 or so yeah and she was like do you know like what like what stopped it and i truly in my heart believe that it was my emo like personality that came out when i was like 14 and i remember it being like 80 degrees on like a beautiful june day and i was in my black sweatshirt yeah black pants did you have jinko jeans Oh, yeah. I haven't heard that name in a long time, but yes, I did. And <laughs> I had, out of your brain. Yeah, I had uh, the vans, like the skater vans, oh, like the big, yeah. chunky black ones. Did with somebody the draw red. on them? No, they were black, but they had red uh, shoestrings. Ooh, she's, so- she's different. Yeah. And I remember being, my dad being like, you- I mean, do you want to come fishing? And I'm like, no. I can't be in the sun. I can't. And Dad. I think the son laughed at me. I was like, okay, bet. And said, you will never know my rays again. <laughs> and I have not been able to tan since. The son said, you will never live this down. Yeah, no. I, they're really, it's such like everybody, I'm going to describe a very specific person. Please do. To you right now. Uh-huh. It is a girl. Yeah. She has a short, spiky, little like pixie thing happening. Oh, yeah. She wears the same Nightmare Before Christmas zip up every single day. I know her. She has skinny acid wash jeans. Yep. Mm-hmm. She has suspenders that just dangle. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. She's got a the leather spiked wrist cuff. But like many of them. Oh, yeah. She The, the rubber bracelet. The rubber bracelet. The rubber yep. bracelet mm-hmm. she's got. And then the little spiky ball earrings. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She went to everybody's high school. I don't know how we all knew her. <laughs> Wait, was this? I watched a TikTok the other day that they think that that's part of the, not the Mandela effect, but being slingshotted into another realm of history or a realm is that like, we all have the same childhood memories. They just like copy pasted. Yeah. They just were like, fill it in. Yeah. But they all gave us the same thing. Because mm-hmm. yeah. I know exactly who that is. Yeah. Oh, of course. And she had a boyfriend, the yeah. guy who had the metal ball necklace and listened to Avenged Sevenfold. Yeah, yeah. And she acted like liking the Nightmare Before Christmas was a freaking personality trait. Yep. Yep. She okay. wrote Linkin Park lyrics oh in my her binder. God. Oh, my God. She always sat in the back of class. She always sat sideways in her chair. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But she was actually really smart. She was really smart, but she didn't want to apply herself or engage in class because she was too dark and distant. Right. And her parents were like normal and mm-hmm. have like, like normally together. normally different and she would like sneak smirnoff ices out of like her dad's garage fridge oh, yeah. <laughs> half a fuzzy nasal and be like whoa oh, I, I gotta I'm go listen wasted. to corn <laughs> i 
Okay. Okay. Anyway. anyway. These, this is a group of those people. Yes. Okay. It is. 100%. Love it. Okay. Uh, dun, 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 dun. Masquerade. Yep. Okay. In an interview with Crime Watch Daily, Ooh. Uh, Rod said, <clears throat> and I quote, everything I was listening to was dark. It was based on hate, war, death, pain. That all my music, all my movies, all that I watched. My bedroom was an array of the darker side of the occult, oh my such God. as Necrocomicon. Wait, Necro Necromicon. <laughs> Taylor, strike that from the record. Nec- I like Necrocomicon. <laughs> no, I sound stupid. Necrom Necronomicon. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I have that book. <laughs> I do, I do. Uh, the Satanic Bible. I had mm. upside down crosses. Good, had, Alistair Crowley. This is my favorite. I had broken shards of glass just lying about in the <laughs> corner. <laughs> Freaking edgelord over here. I had hooks and metal cables wrapped around looking like a hell razor. Oh, listen, with like every Slipknot CD lying every open on his dresser. One. Yeah. In this same interview, he says that he was a sexual deviant by the age of 16, and he couldn't count the number of women that he'd been with. Really? He would do any drug he could find, LSD, heroin, cocaine, and he would just mix them together. This is going to make me sound like I live such a sheltered life, which I'm very fortunate. Yes. Who? (laughs) Who's selling heroin to 16-year-old kids? I God only knows. It's Kentucky. He probably oh, made okay, it. Prob- Can you? You can't make. It. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I was like, wait a minute. This is meth. <laughs> you can make meth in That's Kentucky a- for sure. Oh yeah, for 100%. sure. Here, Kentucky, Indiana, <laughs> in the <Val. laughs> We had a meth lab at work like four years ago. Jesus Christ. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. Anyway. Okay. <sighs> okay. At some point in his early adolescence, he befriends a kid named Jaden Murphy. A YouTuber named The Ghost did an interview with Jaden who says that he and Rod went to school together and Jaden was also into vampirism. Mm -hmm. And he knew that Rod was into it as well. And The Ghost asks Jaden how he got into into vampirism and he says, and I quote, The declaration into the night was October, Friday the 13th, 1995. Once I had spoken with Rod and found that he and I definitely had much in common, I decided to offer him a place in my house, my vampiric house. He had only been utilized as a blood doll to feed from by one in by the one in Florida that he had been affiliated with before he moved back to Kentucky. And I saw far more potential in him than that. And a friend a like-minded individual that I could find and establish a bond with to where I wasn't feeling alone. So I offered him a place in the vampiric house <sighs> in mine. The decoration into the night. I just imagine somebody... And I double-checked that shit. There was a Friday the 13th of 1995 in October. Oh, shit. Really? I was like, this bitch is so out of line. And then he was <laughs> truly telling the truth. <laughs> And this guy, at the time of this interview, he's probably in his mid-30s. Oh, dang. He still talks like this? Man, they drank the freaking Kool-Aid. They drank something. Here's my thing. 
I think all of these feelings that, like, these people pursue by, like, getting into this, like, very characterized trope uh-huh. could all be solved if we brought back cloaks. I agree. It gives you the same vibe, and you don't need to do whatever this Do is. all of this. Do all of this. This is doing the most. Yes. Just do a little. Just, like, dip your toe in. Yeah. A cloak. Get a cloak. <laughs> Line it in Go red sadness your ears. Go pierce your ears. Like, <laughs> stop declaring things into the night. Oh, Lord. Okay, keep going. After he becomes part of Jaden's house, he starts to believe that he is a 500-year-old vampire named Visago. It may be worth mentioning here that he was expelled for drug use in high school, and he was found with LSD, cocaine, and heroin. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. Oh, no. Yikes. Okay, well, that just made me really sad. Yeah. In Jaden's interview, he said that he believed Rod's mother wanted or had already had sex with Rod. So even Jaded was like, dude, his mom was not the one, not the one. At some point, Jaden actually goes to jail for beating up Rod. And that was the end of their quote unquote relationship. Got it. To make things even more bizarre, Rod said that his grandfather is and uh, is part of an organization called the Black Mask. Whenever I was five, they chose me as the guardian of the Black Mask, and the guardian has to become one with everybody. In other words, they raped me. And they have to sacrifice a human to the guardian, so they sacrifice someone right in front of me. What? Yeah. Is there any, like, proof of this? They investigated him, but I don't know where that got. Okay. Um, I had to, like... Get Dig. myself out of this rabbit hole. <laughs> because I, on. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so he says this in a confession later. And there's a confession. You can read the entire confession online. Oh. But that's a direct quote from his confession. Oh, God. Okay. Uh, Rod grew up in Kentucky, but moved to Florida for about a year in the mid-1990s, where he met a girl named Heather Wendorf. Heather was 15 in 1996, and she was the emotional, rebellious teen I think most of us were at age 15. Yes. Uh, she thought her mom was the worst. and told all of her friends that her home life was hell. They became friends while Rod was in Florida, but he moved back to Kentucky, and they remained in contact through phone. Mm -hmm. In Kentucky, he had a ragtag band of friends who who were all considered to be outsiders. There was Howard Scott Anderson, who goes by Scott, Mm -hmm. Dana Cooper, Charity Kesey, and Heather Wendorf. They were also known as troublemakers through the town. Rod and Charity were a couple, and he says they were together for 11 months and that she was pregnant with his child. What? I have not found this to be true. Okay. Babies having babies. Yeah. Uh, Rod was the leader of the gang and considers himself to be a cult leader. Okay. At night, he, uh, he, Scott, Dana, and Charity would hang out in the cemetery and go to a mausoleum and drink each other's blood. Yeah. Um. <laughs> not chill. I, mm, blah, blah, blah. because Rod, the vampire, says that that's what you should do. And by sharing his blood, he was bringing over his friends. So because he was this 500-year-old vampire already, he was bringing his friends over oh, and making them vampires Okay, by having them, them drink, drink his, his blood. blood. Yuck. They will become known as the Vampire Cult Clan. Okay. Or, I'm sorry, the Vampire Clan Cult. Oh, my sorry. bad. Don't mess up the title now. Right. Uh, The group decides they're all going to run away together, and Rod was the only one in 10th grade. Everybody else is younger. Okay. 
Cool. He calls up Heather, who lives in Florida, and she asks him to come get her and save her from her hellish life with her parents. And Rod says that he kidnapped Charity and Dana to come to, and Dana came too because she was worried about her friend. So he kidnapped her. That's what he said. When he when he picked her up and was like, "Get in, loser. We're going." To snatch somebody? Snatch somebody else. Right. Yeah. So he was like, all right, we're going to Florida. We're going to get Heather. And Charity was like, I don't want to come. And he's like, get in the car. So he grabbed her. And then Dana came too. And then Scott's also there. So like, they all went together. There was like, Florida. Where in Florida? Do we know? Do we have a town? We did. I didn't write it down. I, I mean, like, even from Kentucky to like middle Florida, like, that's still like a 12 hour drive. Yeah. It was a while. Yeah. It was like, I, that, that's quite a jog. It it takes a pro- of those 12 hours, like 11 are in Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think they end up being in the car for quite a while. I, there might be a number on that later. Hmm. Uh, okay. It's all bad, basically. Okay. Uh, but anyway, they get to Florida and pick up Heather, and immediately the car breaks down. Of course. Because they've just driven 14 hours in somebody's, like, 1980 Honda Civic. Yes. And it has broken down. Yeah. So, Heather says that they can just steal her parents' car. The fuck you can. If he brings her over and makes her a vampire. So. What? Heather leaves all the doors unlocked so Rod and Scott could go back in later and rob the house. Uh, they dropped off the girls at, like, a secondary location, somebody else's apartment that they know in Florida. And Rod and Scott decide to drop acid. And then they're going to go rob this house. Rod Uh. takes the girls, drops them off, like I said. They go through the garage. And while they're rummaging through the garage for useful items, they find a crowbar. Oh, no. Uh, They enter the home and try to find the keys to the car that Heather said would be in her parents' bedroom, but they can't find the bedroom because they're tripping balls. I very, very rarely is acid a good idea. 0.01% of the time, acid is a good idea. Exactly. And that's only like on bicycle day when what's-his-face accidentally like invented it. (laughs) That's the only time. And like, mm, Maybe not if we have to go do tasks. Especially not if it's a felonious activity. Yeah. No. Mm-mm. No. Not a good God. idea. God. Because no. it just gets worse. <laughs> so at this point, Rod is fucking pissed at Heather because he thinks she's lied about where the car keys are. Mm-hmm. Or has lied about the layout of the house because mm-hmm. they can't figure it out. So he... Because he's tripping on acid. Yes. So he goes into the living room and Heather's father is asleep on the couch. And his name is Richard Wendorf. Before he could even react and see what was happening, Rod hit him multiple times with a crowbar and killed him. Mm. They searched his wallet and took out his Discover card, which was the only item worth anything in his wallet. Ruth, Heather's mother, was in the shower during her husband's murder and then walked through the kitchen and she poured herself a cup of coffee. She stood standing in the kitchen uh, and came into the living room where she saw Rod and Scott standing over the body of her husband. Oh, God. And Rod was covered with blood holding a crowbar. But, like, your brain doesn't recognize, like, trauma very well. So she didn't see the blood or the crowbar. She just saw two people standing in her living room. And she goes, what do you want? 
Oh, God. And uh, then she, like, took a second, took in the scene around her, and lunged at him and threw her coffee on him. Oh, good for her. That she just poured. See, there's that good old fight or flight. Well, it fucking pissed him off. Oh. And he murdered her. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, Should have donked him with your mug. Right. And in his confession, he says, that really pissed me off, so I killed her, too. Yep. Ah. He then burned a V into Ruth's body, and the V was accompanied by several dots that were supposed to represent each one of his cult members. Ugh. Uh, They searched the house for money, only to find that Heather had already taken the money, because she didn't tell them to take money. She told them to take card keys. Right. That she took all the money. Uh, They found the keys to the car, finally, and sped away. Heather's older sister, Jennifer, was coming home that night just after 10. Her curfew was at 10, so she was nervous about being late, so she didn't turn in on any of the lights. So she, like, snuck back home. Yes. But mm-hmm. she was sneaking through her living room, and she sees her dad laying in bed, and she's like, oh, thank God he's asleep. No. And then she gets into the kitchen oh, and God. sees her mom. Oh, no. Um... And then she calls 911 and tells them that her parents are dead and that her sister was missing. And um, the 911 call is super surreal because she's very, she's in shock, clearly. She's very calm. She's like, my parents are dead and my sister is missing. And they're like, how do you know that they're dead? Do you, like, can you revive them? And she's like, no, I can't. Like, there's no No, no, there's not a (sighs) word. So she called, uh, she called 911, like I said. Um, the band of five teens went on run and went on the run and they were on the run for four days. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Really? Yep. They drove from Florida to New Orleans. The home of vampires. Duh. Uh, well, where else are you going to do? Right. You're going to find the voodoo queen. Between Florida and New Orleans, they were stopped by police five times. Rod tells Crime Watch Daily that he wasn't arrested because they were looking for a crazed teen killer, but he was articulate and polite. What? Yep. And I'm like, didn't they run the plates? Like, they're, they're, do they, they're driving a stolen vehicle for people who are dead. Right. What? They were stopped five times. For what? I think they're looking was, for yeah, the, yeah. And they're like, can't be him. No, he's such a nice guy. He's such a nice little white boy. This little Snape looking dude over here. So polite. Totally fine. Oh, my God. They were running out of money. Sure. Uh, and Charity was like, oh, my God, my grandma will, like, totally help us. So she calls her grandmother, who then rats them all out to the police. Good job, Grandma. <laughs> Uh, and they were apprehended at a hotel and spent a week in the Baton Rouge jail before being extradited back to Florida. So there's a lot of uh, footage from the jail and like interviews and stuff mm-hmm. from all of them. And there is surveillance video of Charity and Rod like making out so disgustingly in the middle of this interrogation room. It turned my stomach. Really? Like. Like the worst, like tongues out, groping. (laughs) Gross. Fucking ew. In the police interrogation room? Yes. Like she's like sitting on the table and he's like between her legs and they're like, it's gross. 
I was horrified. What? Like, you just killed somebody. I'm, ew, I'm horrified. Eh. It was <laughs> disgusting. I want to make that a gift. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. How did the police let that happen? Like, stop, you were children. Separate them. Why, why are they in the same interrogation room? Uh, bad, bad okay. policing. Okay. <sighs> so. Bad policing. <laughs> Rod confessed to the crimes, and you can his- read his entire confession online it is super disturbing uh, uh did you read it yeah yeah, yeah it's like three pages long Ugh. it's very disturbing he's clearly in need of a lot of help mm. um i mean he talks about his relationship with his mother and then like this black mask guardianship mm. thing and do you think any of that was like part of like the fantasy or was like part of like a? Uh, narcissistic like sociopath like trying to create some kind of i don't want to say but like i think he was trying to create a reason for the way the like sympathy towards the crimes that he did that and i think that i think that he was creating this narrative to fill and make a reason for why his life was so bad like why his childhood was the way it was and he just uh, like told this thing so many times that he started to believe it he just like embodied the suffering that he was subjected to yes and then drugged the what is heather doing all of this like during all what what is she up to what's happening with her freaking out okay so i think we'll kind of get into it here in a minute but basically they The whole thing is, did Heather know that Rod was going to kill her parents or not? Was it premeditated? Right. Okay. And they tell Heather that her parents are dead about an hour outside of the Florida border. And they said that she freaked out for the rest of the way to Baton Rouge. And uh, at the end of the day, the jury did not believe that she had anything to do with the murder. Was she acquitted? Yes. I I think that that... Is probably enough suffering. Right. For one child to bear. So, uh, Scott. Oh, okay. Hold on. Um, Rod confessed all the crimes. He says all the girls were innocent and that Heather didn't even know what happened to her parents until they were halfway to Louisiana, uh, where she freaked out for a hundred miles or so. Mm. He said that Scott was just an accessory and that he didn't actually kill anybody. Uh, he just like came along and watched it happen. Sure. Jennifer Wendorf, Heather's sister, took the stand and said that she thought her sister was the mastermind behind the whole thing. Whoa. Yeah. Ooh, can you imagine testifying against your freaking sister like that? The only family you have. Right. But she truly believed that her sister thought, like, organized this entire thing. Well, she said that she had, like, a really toxic relationship with her family. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe she was, like, a problem child and she was just, like, looking. Maybe. I don't know if we'll ever know. I hate to, no, I, I don't think I want, I don't think I want to know the truth on that one. Yeah. Uh, Charity was convicted of two counts of third degree murder, robbery with a deadly weapon and burglary, burglary armed with weapons or explosives. She was sentenced to t- 10 and a half years in prison. Mm. Dana Cooper was convicted of the same charges as Charity, but was given 17.5 year sentence. Okay. I'm not sure why. I couldn't find... Maybe they just found her more culpable. Maybe. Uh, Scott was convicted of this 
of the same charges uh, Rod is going to be convicted of um, and was sentenced to life in prison. He was later changed to a 40-year sentence with time served. Oh. Rod was convicted of two counts of felony murder, and he was sentenced to death, but <gasps> it would be later reduced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. He was a minor. He was the youngest person to be on death row in the U.S. history. Of Florida will kill you no matter what. If you blink wrong. If you blink wrong, Florida will send you to the freaking chambers. Yep. Uh, in 2015, the U.S. Supreme Court ruled that juveniles getting life without the possibility of parole was unconstitutional and that all people who fit that description would be resentenced. Oh. The judge resentencing Rods uh, gave a 55-page decision and said he has adjusted to incarceration and he has a good prison record. Uh, and he cites testimony from the prison officials and mental health experts. However, the continuation of his pattern of fabrication and manipulation of the narratives of his crimes in order to serve his own interest demonstrates that he is neither changed nor rehabilitated. He sounds like a narcissistic sociopath. Yeah. Which is wild because I watched a lot of interviews with him Mm -hmm. like now as he's serving his sentence. When did this happen? 95? 96. 96. So he's. Oh, hold on. Wait, I can do this math. Shit. 35? He was born in 1980. Yeah. He's 40. He's 40. He spent more of his life in jail than out. Yeah. And I, I know that I am susceptible to a lot of, like, marketing. Like, you put something in a good package and I'm going to buy it. Yeah. So I know that I'm probably more susceptible to, like, manipulation. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, watching him, I was like, I bet they're going to let this dude out. Like, he, he knows what he did. Like, he... He, in the interviews I watched, he was like, yes, I murdered them in cold blood. Like, He's gotten really good at parroting. Yes. And this judge was like, absolutely fucking not. I'm not buying that shit. Absolutely not. Uh, The jury refused to indict Heather on the slayings, and she remained in detention until January 28th, 1997. So, like, three or four months. Mm. Um, She has since changed her name and presumably lives a completely normal life. And that is the... Very crazy story of the vampire clan cult. Freaking yikes. Yikes, man. Freaking yikes. Sorry. Ooh, it, listen, I, I've been watching a lot of Criminal Minds. <laughs> <laughs> so it makes me an expert on the subject. Yeah. Um, I, and I hate to say, I was having this conversation like literally with myself this morning as I was getting ready for the day. <laughs> Well, I was. That's what I do in the morning. I just yeah. like do a little like chit chat, get ready with me, with me. Yeah. Um, like and an was... unboxing. Yes. <laughs> and today we're going to be using our Morphe 73 brush. <laughs> Except like narcissism. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was thinking about how there are people who are born narcissists mm-hmm. and psychopaths or psychopathic tendencies in sociopaths but what happens to them because i refuse to believe that every sociopath grows up to be a murderer yeah i don't think that's the case i think if somebody has sociopathic tendencies and they are exposed to cruelty abuse sexual assault when they're young and in their formative years Mm -hmm. then that is what catapults them into monstrosities yes yeah and i 
I want to know, like, when we as a society are going to be able to pinpoint that early in children. Yeah. And then be a, I don't even want to say rehabilitate, because if you're a sociopath, like, you can learn how to parrot and you can learn how to, like, um, I don't want to say fake empathy. Mask, maybe. Mask it a little bit mm-hmm. and be able to have the semblance of a genuine, meaningful relationship with people. But, like, when are we going to be able to prevent them from turning into killers? Or, like, be able to pinpoint and be like, this person is going to have a higher tendency of a violent lifestyle. Yeah. I think a big part of that is that people don't want to believe that children are, like... It's nature versus nurture. Yeah. People, like... You can't look at a four-year-old and be like, this child... Like, has... Yes, you can. These, oh, I mean, I think I can. I don't know <laughs> if people who have given birth can. I don't think people who have given birth can. Now, listen, this is coming from two women who have very specifically chosen to never give birth. Yes. <laughs> We've put a lot of time and effort into this. Into not <laughs> making the tiny humans. Right. I think that something happens to you chemically when you give birth to a child. That happens to humans and nobody else, so you don't eat your young. Yeah. Like, there is a emotional and chemical reaction that happens there, so you love that child unconditionally. Yes. Not saying that, like, step-parents or any adoptive parents... I'm adopted. My parents uh-huh. loved me deeply. Yes. But I think those are bonds that can be forged, mm-hmm. and not necessarily just because you gave birth. But I think for somebody who gave birth to that child, it is hard for them to see negative traits in that child. Yes. I just... I agree. 100%. I think it's evolution and survival. Yeah. But I, with that being- What if the sociopaths are the evolution? And they're the reason the, like, world is going to survive because all of us with too many feelings are, like, the weaker species. Listen, I wouldn't fucking put it past us. (laughs) I wouldn't put it past us. Like, I got a lot of feelings. I, listen, I have, I have a lot of feelings and they're always, they're never appropriate. (laughs) They're never the right feelings at the right time or the right strength. Same. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, I don't know. I just think it, I just think it's something interesting to think about that, like, had Rod never been subjected to abuse mm-hmm. like that, if he, because it sounds like he was really good at parroting and imitating later yeah. in his life, if he would have been able to develop those skills earlier. Yeah. And just, like, lived a regular life. And I think that it was just the perfect storm. Like, he met that Jer, um, mm-hmm. Murphy, who was also... Dang old Murph. ...into this. The very specific level of... Weird subgenre. Weird stuff. <laughs> like, I think we all knew the girl from earlier in the story. We all knew her. Mm-hmm. We all knew that mostly harmless. Mm-hmm. Like, she probably wasn't going home and drinking out of a blood bag. But again with the blood buckets to to meet another human that is like yeah man I'm gonna like drink blood in cemeteries like how random does that have to be yeah but I would say it's probably less and less random now that we live in like such an integrated world yeah and I think that if you have ten people who all feel ten percent of this like one thing. When you get them together and they just like feed and compound and all of them are isolated and they're all craving community and inclusion and friends and that kind of bond, this just so happens to be the thing 
that they're bonding over. And then I think it starts to spiral. And that's where we get cults. Cults. (laughs) (sighs) What's your bright and shiny for the day? Mm. My bright and shiny (laughs) is that... um, Sorry, this is going to sound so weird out of context. The Proud Boys. Oh, God. Stopped backing the blue today. Stop it. <laughs> I swear to God. Wait, because the, the police, like, fired on them, right? Yes. <laughs> so they, okay, so listen. Here's, here's my whole thing. And there's so many, like, um, conservatives who are pissed off at the government uh-huh. because U.S. only got their $600 stimulus check yeah. instead of, like, a $2,000 stimulus check so now all the republicans are like the government doesn't care about us and the liberal stop and the republican stop and blah 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 blah, blah. and i'm like yes yes <laughs> the government doesn't give a fuck about you come on come over to the dark side like yeah. tell the conservatives if you go far enough left to get your guns back yeah we are this close to like class consciousness like i can taste it <laughs> i can taste it i can see it coming on the horizon i can see the joy in your face it's Close to your dark. I'm like, yes. We're all libertarians. <laughs> you're a socialist. You don't know it, but, but you're a socialist. socialist. Oh my gosh. I love that. That makes me happy too. What's yours? Um, so Ancestry did a huge update to their website. Oh yeah. And I did the Ancestry DNA a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And I worked on a family tree for a really long time. And or I didn't work on it for a really long time. I got really far back on, like, my paternal grandmother's side. Okay. So, um, at some point in, like, the 1600s, everybody just is John. And it got very confusing, and I just had to stop because I couldn't figure it out any a further. A lot of generations of Johns. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I saw the update, and I got an email about it. And I was like, yeah, I could give it a shot again. Mm-hmm. And I ended up uh, getting, like, a bunch of new hints on the people in my family tree, which was just, like, me, my mom, my dad, my grandparents. Mm -hmm. And my mom was adopted. And I did not know her biological father's name. Yes. But one of my mom's hints was her birth certificate. And so I found my biological father or grandfather on my mom's side. (gasps) What? I know. And my whole mom, my mom's whole side is basically from the South. Like, they all lived in Pennington Gap, Virginia. Okay. Uh, so at some point, they kind of That's meander. like the country country. Yeah. That's the OG country. Yeah. Would not recommend going there. Zero uh, percent. Okay. Uh, but they somehow, like, kind of start meandering over into Indiana, into, like, the Marion area. Okay. Um, but I found that this person his name's byon b-i-o-n okay actually lived in fort wayne on barry street i found the apartment that he lived in what thanks to ancestry.com and how long ago uh in the 70s whoa what yeah is he still alive no okay he's not um so it was just a really weird, but I got really far back on that side, which I've never been able to get far back on because I didn't know half the story. Yeah. So, and now they have these things called through lines on Ancestry. 
where they, if somebody else has taken DNA and they've marked their DNA public, mm-hmm. you can actually look at your trees and see how they match. And mm-hmm. then you can like copy paste like their tree to yours. And so I was able to be like, yes, this is that person because my third cousin and I have share the same DNA. Oh, that's cool. And we're able to like meet in the middle. It was wild, but it was so fun. And I've been obsessed. I love that. That's how I found my birth father's family through 23andMe. Mm -hmm. I love it. I found my grandmother. I found her high school yearbook. So (gasps) there are so many people that are on Ancestry that have been uploading documents. And I mean, I I did the thing. I paid twenty five dollars to like get mm. access to all these documents, whatever. And I took a picture of my grandma's uh, yearbook oh, and I sent it to her. And I was like, "Look at you go with your glasses." And she's like, "Where did you find that?" The internet. I'm like, "The internet." And she's like, "That's on the internet." You're gonna be. <laughs> <laughs> ha! I love that. There's yeah. um a local bookstore here. Um, called Hyde Brothers mm. that I love very much. And they have a whole section of Northeastern Indiana yearbooks, yearbooks yeah. from all of the years. That's so cool. I just like to pick, I just like to pick through them mm-hmm. and just like look at all these people who had like really vibrant lives and whatever. In like the 50s. Yeah, yeah. It's so cool. It's just cool. It's fun. I love that. What a fun, bright and shiny. Yeah. So, okay. <sighs> well, thanks for listening to this like super duper long episode. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Um, go follow us on the Sochmeads. You know that you can find us on Instagram, Twitter. We have a Facebook group. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want to email us an ooky spooky story, you can do that a little bit grand. It doesn't have to be ooky spooky. It can be lighthearted. Yeah. Or slasher. Ooh. Yeah. Send me a slasher. Slasher story. Have you story. ever felt like you were close to getting murdered? Have you ever hidden from a murderer in the woods? <gasps> Ooh. Let me know. Have you ever thought you're about to be human trafficked? Oh, that's what yes. I want to know. I have. You have? Yes. Okay, we'll tell. Oh, tell it on the next grab okay, bag. Okay, I'll tell mine on the grab bag. Okay. Um, yeah. So thanks for listening. Yeah, and be nice to one another. And kind to yourself. Goodbye. Bye.